This is the Biblical Mind Podcast, produced by the Center for Hebraic Thought. Honest five-star reviews help others find this podcast. Visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org for articles and videos that explore the deep structures of Scripture. This is Scott. So can can I answer? Can I start an answer? I think it's good. Guys, why? What did I do? I thought I did it right. By the way, this is Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what we were trying to do when we originally designed the program was to kind of just equip people to go out and continue study and to build on their understanding of scripture. Um, And then, so what we thought we could do, well, here's what we, here's where we were wrong. What we thought was we'll do two things. We'll give people kind of like a, kind of a common approach to Bible. So we'll do context, we'll do genre, uh, and we'll just study scripture. And then we'll send them over to the leadership side of the program where they can learn to implement these things. Um, so that's kind of how we approached it. Uh, and we uh, kind of a, a view of theology is that it's like, uh, as the queen, it's kind of like the last thing you're competent to do rather than the thing you start off with. Uh, I mean, we use it in class to kind of, uh, uh, we don't dance outside the the fence of what's accepted in the in, in the faith, right? That, but that's all we really use it for. Uh, and also, we're broadly ecumenical. So, like, I, I don't want to just do the Baptist or just Orthodox or Roman Catholic or Methodist. Like, all those people should have a. We have one thing in common, and it's this book. So let's do the book. And if you guys want to be Baptist or Presbyterian, go do it on your own time. So, so it's kind of can I clarify? So this common core, if you think of it in the sense of the common core education is really the Bible, the thing that everybody shares yep. that prepares you to do the theological work, but that theological work can be done in in the particular church or movement or setting because you'll have such a good background in Bible and leadership. And Well, you know, so, I mean, not to, this is Dan, by the way. I think one of the things that we're we're working on is a, it's a more of a bottom up approach than a top down. So systematic theology would definitely be a top down systems sort of approach. And we do a lot of work that is deeply theological all the time from the beginning through every class that is trying to allow students to work their way towards a uh, uh, a bigger picture understanding of theology by doing biblical theology every step of the way. So yeah. uh, giving them the tools to be theologians uh, from scripture up. Yeah. So here at the Center for Hebraic Thought, we love the idea of that, that scripture is the ground up uh, the, theology or yeah. theology begins with scripture and moves through scripture and yeah. has, is accountable to scripture. Um, but I remember in my seminary experience, again, a four-year MDiv, um, I think we had a pastoral theology class and then like a licensing class where you basically prepped for your licensure and ordination exam. But you guys have a lot of, you put leadership training right alongside your your Bible education 
And I think that would be, I don't know if confusing is the right word. I think a lot of people would say like, why so much leadership, I guess would be the next question after why so much Bible. Well, so let's keep the, the, before I hand it over to Bishop Moore, um, I think along the lines of this theology, the, the applied theology arena is, is in ministry context and really what we're doing on the Bible side, if it doesn't prepare you to live this out, uh, through through whatever your your context is it's it's not working it's meaningless and so it it really is kind of the donnell is the capstone of what we do uh, i think and and really is the the thing that keeps us on track with making sure we're doing what what we need to be doing can i before dr moore sails in and i would i would like to do real quick is say um when that over the last few years that uh, we've been working together, um, uh, through various means, <laughs> he has uh, redirected a lot of our good intentions into better ones and better, uh, um, actually better outcomes. So uh, that it begins with um, what well, we could do it this way. Um, hey, hey, Doctor Moore. What did you What did you think of our leadership program when we first showed it to you? When we designed it, <laughs> yeah, that was a bunch of crap. See how mature he is. He, he, I wish he we were up. recording the video right now, so <laughs> we could see the face on uh, Doctor Moore. Here. You strapped me with a business model mm. and a secret oh. police. No, we and actually did that. We basically, no, you know, we, just background. We took, we had, because we didn't know what we were doing. So we took, like, basically, we churchized Harvard's MBA. And we were like, that ought to do it, right? Because it's an organization, and that's an organization. And so we showed Dr. Moore, and go ahead, Dr. Moore. <laughs> I told him it wasn't going to work. But at the time, the person leading the process said, it's going to work because that's all you got. And I went through and I flunked. I failed. Uh, so much so that I wanted to quit mm-hmm. because I could not be disingenuous to the God I served with um, carnal uh, imagery and carnal uh, applications that were inconsistent with the scripture. And so I asked Scott, if you would give me permission, I want to propose a leadership process that is consistent with the biblical narrative that you're doing and add the hermeneutical component so that they will understand how to contextualize the very Bible that they are learning how to use so that it's not just a book of stories. It becomes a way of living life in the 21st century. And so when they come over to leadership, I run them back through their narrative courses where they have to talk about what were the problems and issues and challenges of the people of Israel and how did God provide solutions? Well, those same responses, those same uh, methodologies that God used for them are the same methodologies that would work for us if we could see it 
in a 21st century reality and contextualize. Can I, can I jump in? Can I jump in, Dr. Moore? Yeah. It took me a long time to understand what you were saying. Uh, well, why? Because I perfectly, like, I'm I'm with him all the way. So why did it take <laughs> yeah. you so long, Scott? Uh, well, no, you're, you're not. I think it's fair to say you're not dumb. No, thanks. Thanks. But. Thanks <laughs> um, well, uh, one, it's outside of my training and I didn't value it. Hmm. Uh, so it actually took me time to adjust to see the value in it. So, so my, uh, training in Bible is from Trinity in Chicago. And so what we're taught, we're taught the technical ability to read the text, right? So just gobs of Hebrew and what I was doing, we just did, you know, Akkadian, Aramaic, we just dive into everything so that we can understand what the text is saying. Everything is understand what the text is saying. There so was, I don't want to be overly diplomatic here, um, but in defense of other degree programs at TEDS that you didn't do, my guess is out, it, let's let's just make sure that, that we state that clearly. Oh, you did no, no, a Semitic no, no. I'm not degree. Harping on it. I'm not harping on it because it's fantastic. Right? So you're saying Ted's is trash as a whole. Oh my um, gosh. The Trinity, yes. I'm saying the Trinity, he did a Semitic degree. He didn't do a ministry degree. So <laughs> I did not uh, do a ministry degree. I did a Semitic that's, that's degree. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Ted's right? do not and come after us with a libel suit. We are <laughs> you're, you're a great institution. Yes. We, right. But what, what Dr. Moore has been saying and has been teaching me is that the well, can I just say like it's also like just actually ancient Near Eastern theory, it actually works out too. So I was happy to hear it. It's basically this text isn't written so that you can just parse it. It's supposed to have an impact. It's supposed to do something. You're supposed to be able to take this story, get to this principle, and then contextualize into your own world. You're su- that's why it's there. They don't enumerate everything that happens, but you're supposed to figure out who God is, what he cares about, so that in your world, you can respond and behave essentially according to house rules, right? Where it's God's house, we behave according to his rules. And so that the, um, the, essentially the transformational process that students undergo, if you leave that out, like you've actually missed the point. So what has happened over time is that uh, Dr. Moore has pushed me to change the Bible classes to be, I mean, we're going to still keep all the technical stuff, but we are now driving it towards that transformational application, like not application. You got to do what, you got to act like God's kids. You just have to do that. And so starting the student to start thinking like that, like that, I we train them as that's the pinnacle of exegesis. That's the high point. And so our our Bible side of the program is really 80% get the technical skill to interpret and understand. And then we dip our toes in, now start getting good at understanding what to do with that in your own life and how to act and live. And then Dr. Moore's side, the leadership side is um, 80% how are you doing things? And then 20% of the dipping into the scripture. I know it's not, you know, you don't understand what I'm saying, right? He's doing most of the high-level exegesis, that hermeneutic hey. stuff. No, but no, it's no, also, Scott, also, uh, as you and I have discussed many times, the Bible side is head knowledge. 
the leadership side is heart knowledge. And we really can't function as Jesus asked us to function until we marry what we have in our head with what we have in our heart. It, it doesn't make any sense to be able to read the narrative and to, and to be able to speak the language, but you have a heart of stone. And so if you can't have empathy, if you can't have, have, have right. grace, if you can't have uh, uh, a servant heart and spirit, then it becomes cold and callous. And that's why in the church and <clears throat> in churches in the community, we can't become the body of Christ because we have not been able to mirror and, and, and not mirror, but we've not been able to bring together the head and the heart so we can fully comprehend the mission that God has for us and the examples that were set in the Old and New Testament so that we can use those things to solve problems. And so in leadership, what we say is we are making you to become effective problem solvers using the biblical text. So that's our textbook. I'm interested in what happens in the classroom specifically. Uh, I, I always get interested when students get nervous or anxious about what we're teaching. Um, so I wonder what the, for you, what are big pressure points? Like where do students push back or where, where do you have to like slow walk them uh, through these issues? It all begins and ends in the first semester. Hmm. It's the uh, Jacob wrestling with the angel and ultimately walking across the Jabbok with that limp, reminding them of the sacrifice that they had to make in order to be able to do the things that God had called him to do. Our students do a, what we call a spiritual autobiography. And in the spiritual autobiography, we take a critical analytical look at the equipping of God from the moment that they recognize God in their lives. And as they track their journey of faith, they began to see all of the things that God um, brings them out of all of the things that God protects them from, all of the things that God allows them to live through. Uh, and all of our students have issues. In fact, when I did the program some 24 years ago, I had issues. We all do. But in a, and I have to say it this way, in a Euro culture, you are taught not to have the emotion. And in a Afrocentric culture, we lead with the emotion because it's the emotion that gets us in touch with what God is up to. So the students are now feeling some stuff they've never felt before. They're experiencing in the moment the pain of 20 years ago 
or 15 years ago of various forms of abuse, various forms of uh, betrayal, various forms of uh, uh, toxic cultures. Yeah, yeah, all of those things. They're feeling it afresh. And then they want to know, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and that's the point. They That is what God has used to equip them to serve. And so our students, by the time they finish the first semester, they're clear that no matter where you go in ministry, your primary responsibility is to do that that God has equipped you to do. And then the other things come secondary. And so when we run the table, none of our students to date, their equipping of God through their spiritual autobiography and the work they're doing never line up. Hmm. Even our pastors. Because they pastor because of a conditional response to ministry. And the other folk feel that what they're doing is not necessarily ministry. But now they understand that it's not necessarily the ministry that we're looking at. It's why did God send you there? What problem did God equip you to handle when you got there? So that the gifting that God has used through your journey is the very thing that they need to be solved. You have the solution. They need to have that solution given to them. And the moment you give it to them, the problem begins to subside. But the student can't do it without using scripture. Hmm. Can I say that when he was telling me this stuff, um, I thought it was total garbage. <laughs> I mean, Scott, uh, we should warn the listener. Scott speaks more directly than your average person. <laughs> there also, well, there also might be some whiskey involved. I'm not sure if we're like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was junk because I mean, say you're like, Oh, God's equipped you to do something and, and your mission and your call identify that. And I was like, you know what? I might as well just go sit down and read some tarot cards and then bubble. You know, mm. I was just like, this is garbage. And um, I ran into a couple problems. Uh, one, I had no, uh, my own training indicated, like I said, that the intent of the text is to actually have an impact on the way you're living, right? It's, that's, that's the job. Uh, it's not relaying, um, the job is not to report historical events. Uh, the job is to impact you and to move you and move the community. Um, so that was a problem. Second, I started seeing that um, uh, this thing that Dr. Moore talked about, people being wired for these things. Um, and so I started seeing it. First time I saw it was Joshua. And I was like, that dude, every time he hears a sound, it's like Warp, Warp from Star, Star Trek. He just wants to kill it. He's like, there's a battle in the camp. And Moses is like, it's a party. They're having a party. I mean, it's a bad party. but that's it's an orgy. Yeah, every time he's like, should we kill it? Someone's prophesying. Should we kill him? And you're like, and Moses is like, dude, not yet. Not yet. He's like pulling the reins back. And then God at one point is like, all right, now go, Joshua. Right? And then he does his thing. You see the same thing with like Moses. Anyway, so I started like, okay, okay, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. And then I just saw, I was talking with the prophet students the other day. And um, we were working through uh, Habakkuk. 
or Habakkuk. And um, it's an interesting passage because in the in the uh, in the uh, Habakkuk is having a problem. He doesn't like the way God is acting, and he's he's not he's not stepping up to the injustices that he's seeing. And the Lord's like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to send Babylon. They're going to they're going to solve this problem. And Habakkuk's like, that's that's some freaking garbage. Those guys are worse than the, the the folks that I'm dealing with here. How is that a solution? And the Lord's response is, yeah, I know. Dude, I got this. Why are you talking like that? I can handle them too. And Habakkuk responds by remembering God doing that at Exodus and then says, okay, I will wait for the Lord. So there's an interesting hermeneutic at work in Habakkuk, how he's watching, oh, that's right, the Lord does do these things. He did come from Seir. Oh, right. He took out the bad guys. So I can now, in my current scenario, trust him to do this thing. I was like, well, okay, so that's slightly You said that's an interesting hermeneutic. What do you What do you mean by interesting hermeneutic? How is that a hermeneutic? Because a lot of people don't know what that, that word, that word doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. Okay, what I mean is like the way he is interpreting not just, well, uh, not just interpreting his uh, text, but interpreting the world around him as well. Um, uh, both of those things happening at once. And the correction that I received was, uh, Scott, you're training your students to interpret the text. You, that's, that's not the mission. You know, that may be the mission when I'm doing my, my Assyriological work, but it's not the mission when I'm doing the biblical text and I'm working with people who are disciples of Christ. It's a different game. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I have to talk to my, my biblical interpretation class. We start with, you know, what is interpretation? And they have some idea. It's like, well, it's what the text means. And I'm like, well, that's part of it. It's, but you have to add the to whom and in what context and where are they, right? And until you get that to whom. And um, I, I wonder how you guys think about, um, especially like this leadership, applying it, doing this autobiography. That seems to me that you read the text, you kind of like, you need a basic working map of the biblical text. It's pretty complex literature and sophisticated. And even though children can understand it, it's you got to pay close attention. But it sounds like once you've done some of this leadership work on yourself and then applied, um, that you might go back to the same text and now see things that you didn't see before or see it differently. Um, is that part of the plan as well? That is the plan. Hmm. Because now, like the synoptic gospels, the worldview expands. And so what you thought was the only thing that God does you're now beginning to see that God does um, uh, an an array of things Hmm. using the same text. Hmm. And so, uh, and from that spiritual journey, a couple of things happen. They then learn how to work in collaboration with each other. So we're also simultaneously breaking them from being the solo pilot and the Lone Ranger. Mm. And so they they understand none of us can do ministry by ourselves. And once they feel good and the way they are able to do this is when you are in a class and there are 16 students and they've just puked their guts out 
and everybody is there to, and they've puked on everybody and everybody's puking on everybody. Then <laughs> we all clean up together and we are thick as, we are thick as angels. <laughs> and, and so they become a cohort. Hmm. They stick together. And the way Scott has allowed me to do it when he was the dean was all my students stay together in every class so that they don't have to reinvent a wheel. They know who each other is. They play off of each other's strengths and weaknesses. They, they support each other. And now by the third class semester, it's instinctive. So not, not only are they uh, using scripture to solve problems, but they're also allowing scripture to inform how they work together as the body of Christ. And now you're talking a Presbyterian and a disciples of Christ and a Baptist and a Methodist and a, a, a Congregationalist all in the same room together. And we don't say anything, but polity goes out the window hmm. because now they have become the body of Christ in the moment. And they've forgotten all about, even when we had the Catholic in the room, they all become one. And when they recognize it, they just take off. And every class is done that way. So, um, I should point out to those who are listening who have not looked up Pillar Seminary, you should, pillarseminary.org or, or .edu. Um, org. But is it org? Sorry. Pillarseminary.org. Um, because it's it's an at-distance seminary because you're talking about people being in the room, but they're actually not in the room. And you guys have been doing Zoom way before, years before COVID. You guys were doing flipped classrooms where they do a lot of work on their own and then they bring their work to these joint classrooms um, through through conference calls, right? <clears throat> so I, I think most people think of that style of education as very, you know, like think of those typical commercials, like do school when you want to do it, do it according to your crazy schedule. It's all about you yeah. and you getting your education. And I hear you talk, Dr. Moore, and it sounds like you're somehow able to balance that, uh, bringing people together from very different places, even different countries, maybe uh, mm -hmm. different time zones. Mm -hmm. um, and yet helping them to realize at the same time that it's actually not about even this education they're getting is not about them. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. So how do you guys do that? Because I think most people think that this is impossible via this technology. Well, first Scott teaches them, Abraham, go and be a blessing. And then they come to me. How are you being a blessing? You see how we play off of that and mm -hmm. all of the, all of the idioms and all of the, the, the ways that Scott is teaching and Dan, the students in Bible, how to remember the narrative. I grab that and apply it into the same terminology. I apply it into the leadership <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it comes back. And I used the same, because I took those classes, so I used those stories to lead and guide in disciple-making, in, in, in missions, uh, in, in, in uh, uh, 
worship and, and, and membership and all of my classes, ethics, every class they take stems from something they've learned in Bible. So why were you laughing just there? Uh, when Scott talked about, uh, uh, I, I just, a meal. Come on, Scott. Something in a meal. Something in a meal. Meal and a deal. A meal and a deal. <laughs> That's just covenant. That's all. Oh, a meal. <laughs> a, meal a meal and, and a deal. deal. Okay. It's every uh, time. That's every covenant. Yeah. That's a treaty. It's a meal and yeah, a deal. Yes. So um, we were doing the disciple making class. And my question was, what's the meal and where's the deal? What's the meal? Where's the deal? The meal is building a relationship with someone that does not have God in their lives. You got to eat that up. And the deal is where you began to, to teach them, they make a confession, and then you begin to teach them what it means uh, to live a life for Christ. And so all of, we just we just bounce this stuff back and forth, back and forth. And since they like those slogans, I try to keep them going. And, and then sometimes we may do a rap rhyme, or nothing that would go on television, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but, but we do stupid stuff. Yeah. We don't let them take this serious because the work they're doing is serious enough. Hmm. But we are, we are reimagining the body of Christ in ways that matter, heart, versus in ways that you know about. If I could and jump I, in real quick. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Basically, on the what we've learned and what we've come to understand is that in like in a Bible classroom, you have enough time to give them the technical training to read certain genres and certain works, right? And you practice over and over again on passages. Over, and you get, by the end of your class session, for example, you're finally getting into this um, understanding of what the passage is. And I've only got 10 minutes to say, so are you acting like that's true? Hmm. Are you actually, I got 10 minutes. But if that's our objective, I can't spend 10 minutes as an institution on that objective. So what we got to have is, the, like the reworking is the the leadership side of the program is where now that's all Dr. Moore does. Are you doing it? I mean, then you got a whole bunch of classes where he just says, are you doing it? Like, let's see, like everything and, go in. And what, is, what does that look like if you're doing community development, economic development? What does that look like if you're doing church leadership uh, and the standard, yep. the standard way we think about it and that's et cetera. What if you're Dan, a mom? What if you're a mom, right? Oh yeah. Like, what does that look like? Like, are you, because this is, this is what, it's like super important stuff, right? So yeah. you give them the technical foundation and then pass them off to have someone walk them through how to walk through, are you living this way? Because if we can train the student and what it's like to be trained to live a way, then they can go train someone what it's like to be trained to live a way. You know what I mean? Like we can pass yeah. that on rather than passing on the technical ability. Um, Dan, uh, how I, if I remember correctly, by the time somebody finishes the program with pillar seminary, they have gone through the scripture very closely 
uh, three times. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's okay. the plan. They are. Uh, so our that is program. not the typical experience of most people in grad school, right? So why, right. why do they go, why do you go through it three times? And uh, I also kind of heard in Scott's comments there, um, kind of like you're not giving fish, you're teaching the fish. So we talked about we practice on, I mean, I don't think most people think about practicing on passages as Bible training. Sure. So why three times and why, why are you practicing rather than doing survey and background and all that kind of stuff? Well, or so I think our, uh, yeah. Go ahead, maybe sorry. the second one first, the, the model with our flipped class and then our essential, essentially our class time together is workshopping. It, it's, it's designed to give us a, plenty of opportunity to practice with students. That's basically all it is. So uh, and this is, of course, the brainchild of others that came before me, but the, our curriculum right now uh, is is our first pass through the narrative to give a framework or kind of build the shelving on which the rest of the curriculum will, uh, will, will populate the shelves, I guess. And our second pass through, like Scott has talked about, is the the how to read all the kinds of scripture. And this is still in English. The first two passes through are in English, English Bible. And this is what's done in real close conjunction with Dr. Moore. Uh, we, we don't allow somebody to just anymore. Again, we're, we've kind of iterated a number of times to become what we are. Um, we don't allow them to go through and just get one or just get the other. We kind of do mm. this in this, this cohort with this. We do it communally. Uh, and and the the head and the heart together and and I, we have found at least for the ones who've gone on to the MDiv the MDiv is just doing it all again in Hebrew and then in Greek we found this is a bit of a different approach from maybe a more traditional seminary where you're just kind of force fed this stuff right from the get go uh, at at times that folks really understand a why they need the languages at this point they really have a a lot of shelves that they can just put put the language stuff on and, and really they also want it. I was uh, just saying, is there an eagerness to learn the languages? Yeah, at that point? I, they have I so think many it's questions. A, yeah, it's a different approach. You know, the whole time through, we're just telling them, hey, it just keeps getting better. You just you just keep being able to see this more deeply, more beautifully. Come do this with us, and uh, and uh, again, we're we're a young seminary, but it it's been a neat. A uh, neat, neat thing that we've seen uh, fruit born out of this approach already. Well, doctors Dan Lowry, Scott Booth, and Donnell Moore, thank you so much for your work and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Think, thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. <laughs> You've been listening to the Biblical Mind Podcast. Exploring the deep structures of Christian scripture. For more, visit the magazine at thebiblicalmind.org. Subscribe to this podcast at all the usual places so you never miss an episode. 